Hey, the Carolinas have experienced a whole bunch of growth over the past decade or so, especially over the past two years. But what does that mean to us in the outdoors? And what refuges do we have in the Carolinas to still enjoy nature? Bill Barty here on the Carolina Outdoors alongside with Mr. Wes Lawson. You know, Bill, it has been an incredible time of growth for us. And in some cases, you know, some areas, the fisheries have improved because some people weren't going out as much. Others, I suspect, may be a little bit different. But one thing that we have been hearing about on the news has been turtle nesting. So true. And that's kind of how we're going to jump in and talk Mm -hmm. about this in this segment. Uh, Turtle nesting, bird nesting, wildlife On the Carolina coast, we have a wonderful refuge just north of Charleston that is uh, stretches for 22 miles. It covers 66 plus thousand acres. It's called Cape Romaine. So we're going to learn a little bit about this wildlife refuge. And when we talk about the low country of South Carolina, we like to bring our friend Captain Chris Crawley from Coastal Expeditions on the line so he can educate us on Cape Romaine, but also, as you mentioned, uh, the turtles in their nesting. Chris, welcome to the Carolina Outdoors. Oh, man, it's always such an honor to be uh, to be invited aboard. I'm so glad you guys are, are still doing this good work. Well, man, w- we appreciate your time, you being on here, and for our listeners and us to be able to learn from you means a whole bunch. You uh, are a naturalist in the Charleston area. You've been doing this for over 20 years, um, taking people out, hitting the water via human-powered, whether it be a stand-up paddleboard, a boat, a kayak, whatever, but also educating us a little bit. And uh, we, we do know that the hatchlings during the months May to really October there on the South Carolina coast are starting to hatch. Can you educate us on South Carolina's state reptile, the loggerhead turtle? I'd love to talk about it. So, yeah, the Coastal Expeditions has, we just, we celebrated our uh, 30-year anniversary from our founding in uh in um, 1992, just uh, July 1st. Dude, I shorted uh, you 10 years, didn't I? You didn't even look that old. (laughs) I know. I I guess it's in the genes. I used to be the youngest person in the room, and now I'm trying to keep up with these young folks. um, So, yeah, the turtle nesting, and uh, I'm in Cape Romaine right now. I'm on Summerhouse Creek right on the backside of of Bulls Island, where the original settlers landed in 1670, and where the turtles were coming to nest then and— and, uh, you know, a, a few thousand years before we even showed up, these um, ancient dinosaurific creatures that are our state reptile are laying their eggs on the beaches at night. They'll lay about 120 eggs per clutch, and they'll lay four or five times in a season. There's some great science going on as far as their um, who they are and who they're nesting next to and where they're nesting. And um, by far, more sea turtles, more of these sea turtles nest inside Cape Romaine than anywhere on the east coast of the United States, north of Cape Canaveral. So this year, we are on track to be the second most productive year since people have been keeping records. Um, 2019, we had almost 3,600 nests in Cape Romaine, and this year we're just a couple of hundred nests shy of that. You know, our east coast is pretty vast, and Cape Romaine up close is sprawling but what is it about that location that makes it so attractive for these turtles you know i think the beaches on the 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 turtle nesting beaches in this refuge are like uh, perfect habitat for turtles they 
they're they stick out far into the ocean and the beach is not a gently sloping beach it's a it's sort of like a turtle ramp you know it's like mm. it goes shoots straight up to the to the dune line and that is the uh that's where the turtles have been they do have some sort of nest fidelity you find as we send these uh, the DNA samples to the University of Georgia, they're coding the DNA and they're figuring out exactly who these turtles are and who they're relating who they're related to, and they're finding daughter turtles nesting next to mother turtles who are nesting next to their mothers. So grand granddaughters nesting next to grandmothers. So these uh, this effort by the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Department and the band of volunteers that go out every day this time of year and count these nests and move these nests and put cages over them and so forth has been going on for about 30 years. And that um, also coincides, that 30-year period coincides with how long it takes for a female loggerhead sea turtle to reach sexual maturity. So this work's been going on for 30 years. We're seeing banner numbers now after 30 years. So I think that um, what we've been doing for so long is starting to pay off. Well, and also that should be celebrated because of the two huge municipalities that are very close to Cape Romaine, Charleston and Mount Pleasant, are both growing cities in South Carolina so that those numbers are coming out there. Is is that educational component? And Coastal Expeditions is a part of that as well as DNR. Um, Is that part of letting us newcomers to to the Carolinas, maybe, to South Carolina, or us tourists who are coming to South Carolina, learning about these loggerhead turtles, about their habitat, to help those numbers grow? Yeah, I think that's a, that's a good point. I think the uh, I, when you talk about it, so sea turtle nesting coincides with bird nesting, and the birds and the turtles need the beaches, and there are more people going to the beaches than there ever have been, like in the history of history, though not... You know, not more people have never tried to get to these beaches. And what happens with that overcrowding is we disturb bird nests and we scare them off their eggs and their young get cooked in the hot sun or the dogs run through the nesting area and that sort of thing. So it's it's up to us as locals, as people that um, live here and are from here and know how to, we got we to gotta show people how to act. We need to learn and teach people how to um how to share the beaches with the birds and the turtles. And um, and I, there's a huge effort going on right now from nonprofit organizations like the Coastal Expeditions Foundation and the Audubon Society. Certainly Department of Natural Resources is huge into it. Fish and Wildlife Service has a federal agency. So it's a, it's a huge effort right now to teach people how to respect the birds and when they're on the beach. So it has to do with um, nesting and resting. Like you don't want to make a bird fly. You want to walk on the on the wet sand. You want to stay. You want to give the birds their space because there's less and less of it, especially with these rising water levels. Um, this coastal squeeze issue that we're having, along with overcrowding, is um, it really causes us to have to take a more active role in the stewardship of the wild animals that we share the beaches with. All right, can we go back for just a minute to these loggerhead turtles? You said that it takes a female 30 years to reach sexual maturity. What's the lifespan of one of these creatures? All right, so everything we know about loggerhead sea turtles has been sort of hypothetical. Mm. You know, and I'm a hypothetical kind of guy. I'm sort of a storyteller. You know, I'm an optimist, and, a, and I believe, you know, what you focus on expands. But often I have to deal, I get to deal with scientists. And the scientists are now finding out since this, the um, the DNA material, the eggshells and the yolk from eggs are being sent to the University of Georgia for scientific study and coding the DNA. They're finding out that 
if it if that um, exactly who the turtles are. So think about it. If it takes 30 years to reach sexual maturity and you're nesting next to your mother, then she had to be 30 when she had you. And if you're nesting next to her, then she has to be at least 60. And if she's nesting next to her mother, right, then 30, 60, 90, we're starting to get some real science on how long these very long-lived creatures live. And it's the big ones. It's those old mature turtles that will nest in Georgia and North Carolina and South Carolina that will lay a cl- and a, uh, an unusually large clutch, like 150 or 160 eggs versus 95 or 100, and uh, and nest several times. So it's the um, it's that mature turtle population that sort of knows how to get it done, knows how to find the high ground that um, that we're looking we're we're seeing those those nests. So 100 years, you know, be easy for a turtle, I think. Which is just fascinating. That kind of blows my mind. We have a handful of different kinds of sea turtles, but focusing on the loggerhead, describe to our listeners the size of these creatures and how big they get. Uh, loggerheads are enormous. Like I've seen, I've I've been in places where people have to pick up loggerheads and and move them for rehabilitation purposes or to save them or to get them back in the ocean. And it takes you know, it takes six grown people to move a loggerhead they'll um they'll weigh um over 300 pounds when they're full grown their um their uh their carapaces will stand um easily three feet off the floor um they're they're great big turtles with great big heads they've got larger heads compared to their body size of any of the any of the sea turtles and i I think they're seven sea turtles in the world and we get five of them here in the waters of south carolina including the biggest sea turtle the biggest turtle that apparently has ever existed it's a leatherback and we've seen them they come through near the shore we can watch them swim by but we also get the green the hawks bill the kemp's ridley and then the most prolific by far is the loggerhead sea turtle and the loggerhead sea turtle is, as we mentioned, uh, it was designated in 1988 as a South Carolina state reptile. Um, but it is a threatened species since 1978, and it is protected under the Endangered Species Act uh, of that was passed in 1973. With all that being said, outside of Cape Romaine, for people who have beach houses, maybe they are visiting during this tourist season, you will see stickers and notes and, and um, to turn off your lights at night because of the confusion that the turtles would have with the lights because they would follow the moon to the sea after they hatch. Is that, am I getting all that right? Correct me, Chris. Yeah, that's exactly right. The, the, the mother's loggerhead sea turtle, too, it's such an ordeal. She's, she's built to be waterborne with that heavy, dense, thick-boned, carapace and plastron and those you know the the it's just a heavy animal that needs to be in buoyant salt water so her struggle to get to the high ground of the beach to lay her eggs um you don't want to stop her from doing that and lights and confusion and going on here i see a turtle come look at it that kind of thing if they're if you witness one coming up the beach you need to just you need to stay away you need to stay way back and let them do what they're doing because they're going to deposit those eggs whether they whether they dig a hole and put them in a safe place or not. Um, and often they'll lay, if they get discouraged by lights from a hotel or lights from a beach house or too much, you know, human activity, which they perceive as predation, predators, they'll go right, they'll turn around and go back in the water um, and uh, and lay their eggs in the, and just, you know, just like abort the eggs into the water. It's, um, it's so interesting 
what is so easy to see where a turtle drags itself up the beach because it leaves a huge track, you know, like a big tractor tire went up the beach and came back down. Mm. Um, and for every set of tracks that lead to a nest, there are about twice that many sets of tracks that lead to a false crawl where a turtle came up, looked at the area, mm, didn't feel quite ready for it, and went back into the sea. Um, so there's such a thing as a false crawl. And those technicians out on the North Islands of Cape Romaine National Wildlife Refuge that go out every day, seven days a week before the sun comes up to relocate these nests and do the scientific data and get their their latitude and longitudinal position of where they were laid and um, and keep the count. Um, they're, they are working so hard in this heat and the sand. And when they when they see a false crawl, they got to probe it to see and find a nest. It's just a lot of hard work, but it's work that's um, being funded by the Coastal Expeditions Foundation. If you guys, if your listeners are any uh, love love turtles and are some and are philanthropic or in a position to be philanthropic and want to make a donation to help fund that program, the Coastal Expeditions Foundation is um, accepting donations to save turtle nests, to pay these technicians and to buy them the equipment they need to get that job done. And you can access that via the website. Head over to Coastal Expeditions. You'll find the foundation link in there. And that's who we're talking to. Captain Chris Crawley is talking to us from Cape Romaine National Wildlife Refuge in South Carolina. He's joining Wes Lawson and myself, Bill Barty, here on the Carolina Outdoors. And Chris, let's go back to our feathered friends um, because where you are right now in Cape Romaine, um, it is home to 293 species of birds, including some of them that are threatened species. Uh, will you talk to us a little bit about those birds, uh, which ones may be most threatened? And I'm going to hedge in and ask you about the American oyster catcher. Oh, nice. nice. Yeah, the, I think the, the 293 is the official count. I think if I add the roseate spoonbill and the whistling duck and the sheer water that I saw earlier this year and the uh, storm petrel, I'm gonna, I mean, it's, not, it's 390 or 297 different species of birds, and many of these birds are moving. They're, they're, they're long-distance mig- migrational birds that we're sharing with um, Central, Central America and Northern South America, and they, some of them come through and stop in on their way to the Arctic Circle to nest, like the, like the Wimbrel and, um, and, the, and the Red Knot. They're heading on up to nest in the, in the um, Arctic tundra above Hudson Bay, but the ones that stay here and nest, like the American oyster catcher, um, create these uh, cryptic nests, just divots in the sand with their very well-camouflaged eggs, and then they need to be able to, to guard those eggs, not just from predators like raccoons and coyotes, but from the heat of this summer sun, a little egg like that will cook um, in, in, in seconds, um, you know, in a minute and a half or something, and uh, so that's where we don't want to disturb the birds, but they, we get over 30% of the um, Haymantopus palliatus, American oyster catcher population, overwinters with us, and we have a very healthy nesting population here but it's not just oyster catchers that nest it's eastern brown pelicans and um, black neck stilts and wilson's plovers um, bulls island had a banner year for wilson's plovers this year um, least turns um, gullbill turns black skimmers we have a, a variety of just like some of the most interesting birds in the world come to south carolina what the original naturalists like mark catesby and alexander wilson and and uh, bartram all described as paradise on earth they were talking about the low they were talking about south carolina y'all and they were seeing birds that were unknown to taxonomy by by the by the leaders in the scientific uh 
a community like Isaac Newton had never seen a ruby-throated hummingbird until Mark Catesby said, I found one in South Carolina. Um, and these birds returned to nest here, including hummingbirds and including the um, painted bunting, Passerina cirrus, the most colorful songbird in North America, nests right there, right over here. And um, as well as these near-shore seabirds and shorebirds that are um, so critically endangered because of the rising water levels, like where they nest is underwater. There's, there, there are islands in this refuge I used to take people to, and I'm live behind the helm. i got to pick some people up off the beach here in a second. But there are islands where I used to take people in this refuge that are gone. They're underwater. They're gone. They're islands that that birds and turtles nest on that are now three islands because they've been washed over and breached. And it's... um. So we got to pay attention to what we're doing and where they're going to nest. I think we're just going to have to start building islands like we did with the Crab Bank project. It's not a bad idea, but if you, since you are about to uh, pull some folks off the beach, it's a good time to remind folks, if you're heading down to South Carolina on your next beach trip, skip one day of getting a sunburn on the beach. Go to CoastalExpeditions.com. Have a great time seeing all of this wildlife live and in person. You're going to learn a whole lot, but have an incredible time seeing what is one of the most pristine stretches of coastal land and water anywhere in the Carolinas. It is well worth the day to go do that. True, true, true that. We've got naturalists at Coastal Expeditions that are just inspired young people that can't wait to take you out and show you the dolphins and the dolphins breaching and the pelicans diving and the, and the isolated beaches. And do remember, too, that Cape Romaine National Wildlife Refuge, I think, is 68,000 acres in its current in its current size, and half of that, 29,000 acres, is Class One wilderness, which is the baddest wilderness you can be. It's an A plus 100 percent, and they're rare and they're precious. These wilderness areas, these areas that are completely untouched by man, the cleanest air and water available. And I dropped a few people on the north end of Bulls Island today with a naturalist so that she could teach them about the, how to act with the birds. And you know who else was on Bulls Island today? Nobody. Like they're <laughs> out there searching for human footprints and can't find any footprints except their own. It is, uh, it is a, such a relief. It's like a cool drink of water when you compare it to the hustle and bustle of trying to get to some of these, re- these beaches that you have to drive to. This is, uh, if you're a beach lover... Come on, come on. Let me show you something. Uh, he covers the low country of South Carolina, up and down. Captain Chris Crawley, one of South Carolina, one of the Carolinas' best-known naturalists from Coastal Expeditions. And, of course, you can uh, get to the foundation, Coastal Expeditions Foundation, via the website as well. Captain Chris Crawley, thank you every time for your time here on the Carolina Outdoors. Hey, Barty, thanks for including me. And, Wes, thanks for, thanks for getting it done, man. We appreciate y'all. Now go get those people off Bull Island and have a great <laughs> summer. We'll talk to you again soon. All right, I'm coming up. I'll see y'all next time. We'll see you then, and we'll see you then, too. But first, we're going to wrap up this thing called the Carolina Outdoors. With Wes Lawson, I'm Bill Barty. Back in just a moment. 